0: You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at The River. So I'm going to be ministering to you tonight on the topic, ending up with more. And let me, let me preface this as we get into this. What I want you to understand is that when you start using your faith in the word for different needs that we have in our lives, there's two types of perspectives that people have. A lot of people have this kind of microwave faith where they think it's fairly instant when they pray, things are going to happen. But more than often, it's a crock pot type of result where it takes a lot longer than what we anticipate it to take. And if you don't know how to endure during those times, you're not going to end up with more, you'll end up with less because if you don't have that endurance... You won't be able to stick it out until God does what he needs to do to bring to pass in your life. Are you following me? And we're going to talk about one of the areas that I believe is is essential for spiritual endurance. And that is the topic of the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to just quote to you a few verses out of Proverbs to start with and show you why it's so important. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. It says that the fear of the Lord will prolong your life. It says that the fear of the Lord will give you riches and life abundantly. That's all in the book of Proverbs. It's actually used 300 times in the New Testament, the word fear of the Lord. Now, what I want to do is show you how to look at the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant and how they looked at it in the New Covenant that we're under under grace. Amen? So I want you to turn with me, if you would, or look up on the screen. This is the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 20. Boy, I'm excited about these truths. These are powerful things. This is a story about Moses. Now, what Moses does is he ascends on high and gets God to come down. And when God comes down, all the people get terrified and, and start running away. And they tell Moses, well, you know, we can't have a close relationship with him. He's just too awesome, whatever. And the statement that I'm going to read to you here is what Moses responded to the, to the people. Listen to what he says. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear uh, may be before you so that you may not sin. I want to just stop right here and say something. The fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. Now, the people that left the mount here were afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is a reverence and an honor and a respect for what God says. And and there's there's not a fear of God himself. There is just an honor and respect where you want to be with him. These people fled. And I'm going to show this to you that that the fear of the Lord is not being scared of God. It is is a desire to be close to God, to be intimate with God. And it, and it, it is a sense of, If I get outside of God's will, I'm afraid of the consequences. But it's not being afraid of God. On the contrary, you want to be close to him. That's what Moses said in this particular setting. And and, uh, let me show it to you in another verse. Isaiah 6, 5 says this. And here you see the analogy. In In the book of Isaiah, the prophet has a vision of heaven. And in heaven is this awesome throne of God, and there's cherubims, and they're singing, holy, 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 awesome stuff. And so Isaiah is there, and he sees all this, and when he's in the presence of God, all of a sudden he becomes aware of his sin. And he says, I'm undone. I'm, my lips are unclean. And, and one of the cherubims go over, and they take a coal off the off the brazen uh, or the uh, incense and take the coal and touch his lip and he gets sanctified and then God ministers to him now why was he terrified in the presence of God because in the Old Testament sins were only covered they weren't removed And God provided for the people an avenue that they could get close to him by covering their sins through animal sacrifices. But it wasn't adequate. That's why in the Old Testament, most people, when they saw God, they thought they would die because they were were aware of their sin in their life. But in the New Testament, we are different. Jesus blotted out our transgressions. And now we can come before God, it says in Hebrews, with boldness. Say amen, everybody. And a confidence with God because our sins have been completely removed in our lives. Well, that's not the way it was in the Old Testament. That's why there's a little bit of a difference of how you look at it under grace than you did it under law. But the reality is, is the fear of the Lord is, is is a quality within a person that highly regards what God says. And if God says the wages of sin are death, they believe that they're death. If if God says death and life is in the power of the tongue, they believe that death and life is in the power of the tongue and because they don't believe it's something that we can analyze and evaluate what we think it keeps them in the center of God and it keeps them in a place where they're intimate with God there's an intimacy there and they don't want to step out of the place that they're in with God when this fear of the Lord is inside of them Can you say amen? So I wanted you to see the analogy there so that you can understand that as a Christian, when you accept Christ, the the barrier of sin is removed. and, And we can boldly come to the throne of grace and be with God because our sins have been removed from our lives. And this is a key factor if you're going to exercise endurance in your career, endurance, in your marriage, endurance in your dreams and your visions, you gotta have this quality. Look what it says in Psalms uh, 19 verse nine, look what it says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring what forever, say forever. And the judgments of the Lord are true and the righteous altogether. together. In other words, it's saying here that the fear of the Lord is going to endure. If you have the fear of the Lord inside of you, you're going to endure in your marriage problems. You're going to endure in your financial problems. You're going to endure in all the mountains and the obstacles that you run against in your life, the mountains and the, and the fears. You're, gonna, you're going to endure. You think about it in the garden of Eden, Adam didn't have the fear of the Lord. Why? Because he ran from God. He was afraid of God. God wanted to be intimate with him, but because he was hiding sin in his life, he couldn't have that. See, that's the opposite. When you don't have the fear of the Lord, you hide sin in your heart. And you don't wanna be in the presence of God. That's why sometimes when we invite people to church that, that maybe don't know the Lord, they're a little bit reluctant to do it because, you know, they know inside that they're not living the way they should live. And and the presence of God actually brings that out and they realize, oh, wow. And so they're a little bit scared of God because they haven't a solution to their problem. They try to live right, but they can't. But the good news is, is Jesus gives us grace so that we can improve our life you'll still be imperfect you'll still sin you'll still mess up but your sins will be removed and you'll be able to get close with God so that he can give you the strength to to do the vision and dream that God's called you to do in your life you can accomplish it and get the breakthrough and and get through the barriers that you need because you can get close to God and God's power can rub off on you praise God but it's something that I think sometimes even Christians do this. You know, they hide sin in their lives. Instead, of just go to God and say, God, you know, I screwed up. My intentions were not right there, and I'm really sorry. And, and it, but when you have this reverence of God... You don't want to hide anything anymore. You you want to be with God. You want to be close with God. And it it, it gives you this honor and respect of him that you're the creator, Lord. You know all of my weaknesses and flaws. I need your help. And it's in that intimacy that the power of God is activated and released in your life in a powerful way that brings forth blessings. Blessings. Let me me explain it to you in another way. You know, I've been around a long time, so I've heard a lot of messages, been through different seasons. And sometimes Christians become unloving towards people in sin. And they begin to hate the person who's sinning instead of the sin. The Bible said the fear of the Lord hates evil. It never says the fear of the Lord hates people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would be, have eternal life. They'd be saved. Now, understand that. God doesn't hate people that are sinning. He hates the sin, but he doesn't hate the person. He sent Jesus to offer salvation to everyone so that the consequence of sin won't eternally separate them from God. So even though I may not like what someone's doing, whether they're a homosexual, lesbian, or a drunkard, or a drug addict, or, or, or a thief, or whatever, I love that person because God loves them. Uh, And what I try to do preaching is give them the truth. And as they begin to get the truth, they're able then to break free from the actions that are destroying their life. But they got to know they're loved. And we can't think we're holier than thou because you were there at one time, if you're a follower of Christ, where that Christians say, boy, that person is living so terrible. They're so terrible, whatever. Yeah, you were terrible, but God still loved you. He still loved you. And he still sent a messenger to preach to you. And he still let Jesus die for you. And he still gave his life for you. And he still set up eternal life and the promises of God For you, we got to be the same way, praise God. We got to love the drug addict. Come on. We got to love the homosexual. We got to love the lesbian. We got to love the fornicator. We got to love the adulteress. We got to love the drunkard. We don't love the action, but we love the person. And we got to tell them about Jesus. And then once they get Jesus, they can begin to live the life that God has called them to and be free from the bondages That is created in their life. So this morning or this evening when you talk about this fear the Lord, understand the purpose of this thing. It it, it is to see God move in our lives in a way that will keep evil out because the fear of the Lord hates evil. It hates things that destroy us. Pornography destroys us. Addictions destroy us. It hates that. But it loves the Word of God. It loves to be in intimacy with God. Look here at this text over in Romans chapter 11, verse 22. I'm going to show you why many people in the church fall away from the faith. It's really pretty simple. They fall away because their faith fails. Look what it says. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail, severity, but towards you, goodness. Watch this. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. In other words, the reason why they were cut off is because of unbelief, but the unbelief was a direct result of them not continuing in the kindness of God. Boy, I want you to get this. I've never yet seen a Christian backslide whose faith was winning. Every person I've ever met that isn't going to church hardly anymore in their life, whatever, I say, what's wrong? So I just, you know I, you know, I tried it for a while. It's just not working right. What they're basically saying is I had something I believe God for. I attempted to use my faith, and it didn't happen. And so why bother going to church, being trained, whatever, if it's not going to change my life? And what's great about this church is that I teach you how to use faith because it's a lack of knowledge why people don't get results. They don't know how to believe God. They don't know how to envision what God promises. They don't know how to think right. And because of it, they are in doubt and unbelief, and they don't get the results. And here's another catcher. This is it, the love of God. You're never going to be able to have great faith unless you have great love, and you can never have great love until you know the one that loved you. I got a I grasp in my heart, Lord Jesus. I, I got to have faith in your love that you have towards me. If I have faith in your love that you have towards me, then I'll be able to love other people. And the Bible said that love believes all things, endures all things. If I can endure it, I can get it. But the moment that I begin to believe God, what happens? Somebody gets jealous. Someone offends you. Someone does something to you that upsets you and you got a choice right then, you can walk in divine love and your faith will work, or you can get offended and miss the blessing that God had for you. And that's exactly why people backslide. They don't backslide for any other reason. It's a lack of knowledge on how to believe, and it's a lack of love in their life because they stop believing in the love that God has towards them. I want you to understand how much God loves you. He loved you so much that when He sent Jesus, Jesus did not come to judge you for your sin, He came to be judged. For your sins in his body. He came to take the cross upon himself so that you could be free, praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, he came for that purpose, and not only so that you'd be forgiven of your sins, but so that through faith you could destroy the consequences of sin in your life and you could live the abundant life that God has called you to, and that is a life that flows with joy and peace on spiritual glory able to do great things in God that's yours wow do you see this this is so enriching when you see this perspective the reason why people and people come to church and backslide too and just out of habit come to church but they're really not in it and it's usually because their faith has failed You know, I've been praying for this, and I thought it was the will of God, and it didn't happen. Maybe you didn't believe right. Maybe your mouth sunk your petition. Or maybe somebody along the way upset you so much that you held a grudge and it neutralized your faith. When Jesus talks about faith in the Bible, it's always on the heels of love. Whatever you desire, he says, believe that you receive it. And when you stand praying, forgive or you will not be forgiven. Every time that he commended somebody for great faith is because of love. The centurion had great faith. Why? Because he had this great love for a servant that worked for him. The Syrophoenician woman had great faith because she had a a love for her daughter that she would not give up until she got the answer. If we don't have this love that comes from God in our lives, our faith will fail. You won't endure. You'll be like a shooting star. Oh, praise you, Jesus. But I won't see you around in four or five years. You got to have this love to be able to endure the hardships and the pain and the suffering that goes along the way that devil tries to deceive you and trick you out of your future and blessing in your life. I was listening to a, a testimony of someone I used to follow years ago. That was uh, Chuck Norris, and he was actually raised a Christian. And he got a little famous doing karate or whatever. And he backslid, but he finally came back to God. He's 80 right now. And he was sharing his faith, how that people try to fulfill themselves through indulgences, through drugs, through partying, and they're empty inside. He says, you'll never be full until you come back to Christ. That's the only way you can have joy unspeakable, full of glory. Amen? And I know a lot of you know this, but, but are you discouraged because maybe uh, you prayed and it didn't happen? Maybe it's because you simply got out of love. Here's the key with love. I can only love people to the degree I believe in God's love towards me. That's it. If I believe that God judge or loves me based on my behavior, I'm not going to love you that good. It just won't be that good. You know why it won't be that good? Because you'll have to earn certain levels of love. And if you're really good to me, then you really love me. Then I can love you. Jesus loved us before we even believed in him. Gee, last time I checked... Your name was not on the roster when Jesus went to the cross and he still went to the cross before you confessed him as Lord, before you received the Holy Spirit, before your life was transformed, before, come on, the blood was put on the mercy seat, he died for you. That love, it says in Romans uh, 5 has been shed abroad in my heart. If, If God can love me before I ever respond to him, then I can love you before you ever respond to me. And when you apply that in a marriage, apply that in a dream, apply that in a vision, apply that to your friends, you will walk in the divine love of God and you'll be able to endure the hardships, the disappointments, the discouragements because you know that God loved you before you did any thing in your life. I think it'd be a good time right now to give God praise report. Come on. Just praise Him. Praise Him. Jeremiah 29:29 29, 29 says this: that God has provided a hope and a future for all of us, right? The context of that is after the people of God had been judged for their sins. Read the verses before it. Jesus has been judged. For my sins and your sins. Every person who calls upon the name of the Lord has a future and a hope. But pastor, I'm on my fourth wife. You still got a future and a hope. Pastor, I, you know, I fell into drugs. You still, have a, a, you still have a future and a hope. Pastor, I went bankrupt in my business. I've been ripping God off. You still have a future and a hope. You know why? Because the blood of Jesus. Because your sins We're in the body of Jesus. If you turn to him, he will forgive you. If you turn to him, he will remove that sin. He'll give you the power to change. He'll give you the power to be transformed in your life. I tell you what, I love this. I love this. You know, I I, I see a lot of people over the years fall away and come back, fall away and come back. And I think sometimes what happens is, We don't realize that the reason why a person falls away or backslides, however you want to say it, it's because they either didn't have enough knowledge or they were lacking in God's love. In other words, faith for it. And all you got to do is give them faith for it. All you got to do is tell them about God's love. All you got to do is tell them that God will never leave him or forsake him. All you got to do is tell them the laws of faith, how they operate, and they'll jump right back on the saddle, and they'll begin to believe God again and thrive in the faith. Hallelujah. Oh, but, Pastor, this is the great falling away occurring in America today. It is not, I've said this before, it is not the great falling away. The great falling away happens for one reason, one reason of all. The church is taken out of here. We're raptured out of here. The love of God is taken out of this planet. And that's when there is the great falling away that occurs. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 2 and 3 say this. Verse 2, Paul is ministering some people who thought they had missed the rapture. They were afraid that they were in God's time of wrath and judgment because your translation says they thought that the day of the Lord had come, which is the day of judgment, and they were terrified. And Paul reminds them this is not going to happen until there's a great falling away, and the Antichrist is revealed, which happens... At the same time, when the church is taken away, there's a great falling away because the restrainer, the Holy Spirit that is restraining sin in this world is taken out of here. And we don't see the 144,000. God seal them until later in the tribulation period. And so there's a time in this. And we're not going to be here. If you want to stay, that's fine. I'm going, praise God we're going to be gone because God has not subject us to wrath. Wow. So the falling away that we see in America and around the world is not a great falling away. It's one that can be restored if people would learn about the Word of God and preachers would start preaching the truth instead of theory people would get saved again. People would get restored again. People would get on fire again. But when you've been feeding on philosophy and psychology, That isn't going to set you free. You can't cast out a devil with psychology. You can't use therapy to get a demon out. It's the name of Jesus that casts them out. It's the name of Jesus that heals. It's the name of Jesus that sets you free. It's in the power and the authority of that name we get the breakthrough that we're looking for. Look forward to a great awakening within the church in these last 10 years, a great awakening that's going to occur in the church that is going to blow your mind. People that you never thought would get saved got saved. People you never thought might be that homeless guy on the side of the road. He might become an elder in the church. Hallelujah. Because God is reaching down to save those that are lost. And he don't care how bad off you are. He don't care how much you're messed up. He wants you to know about his son's love. And that's why I'm preaching this tonight. Hallelujah. Because God wants to save the lost. He wants to save the broken. He wants to save the, the mentally oh, distressed. Hallelujah. I know that I'm supposed to be just teaching, but I get excited about this. I get excited about this. Now, write this down. Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11. We won't turn to these verses, but I want to give you an aspect of the fear of the Lord that'll help you Endure through the times we're going through. It is a story about two people by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. But you, but we usually read the story where they lied to Peter about their offering, they fall over dead, and we leave it there. But if you read the verses before in the, in the previous chapter, there was a, a man by the name of Joes, G O E S. And he had a huge piece of property that he sold and he gave it all to the church. And the result was they changed his name to Barnabas. Most of you know who Barnabas is. And, all, and, all, and just by one big offering, he became a celebrity in the church because Barnabas means encourager. So these, this other couple saw that, desired that said, well, we can, we're going to sell our stuff anyway. And, and God doesn't require you to give everything that you, you know, sell. He could have just given part of it and been fine. But he wanted the recognition that Barnabas got. And so he goes to Peter. His wife stays home. Wife probably said, "Will you go ahead. I don't, I'm not really in agreement with what you're doing, but I'll keep my mouth shut. You go ahead and do it because you like the fame too. He goes lies to Peter, the Holy Spirit so powerful during those days that the Holy Spirit reveals to Peter what's going on and he exposes him and he falls over dead from his sin. His wife comes later probably looking for him and Peter questions her and she probably remembers, well, I, I got to agree with my husband and she lies. She falls over dead. And the Bible said this, great fear ran over the whole church. Now, what's crazy about this is that some of the people in the church left, but more people kept adding to the church and adding to the church and adding to the church. And then we see that incredible miracle of Peter where he's walking through the streets of Jerusalem and his shadow is healing the sick. If anybody got in the shadow, they got healed. No exception. Didn't matter what your infirmity was, you got healed gosh that was all from that that fear of the lord but understand watch this the people that left didn't fear god the people that stayed did fear god so they didn't run they weren't scared of god they were afraid of the consequences of lying to the holy ghost they were afraid of the consequences of stepping outside of God's will. They weren't afraid of God, they wanted to be with God, but they were afraid of the consequences. In the American church, we have really messed up. In the 60s, we got legalistic. I mean, we had laws for everything. But you know what we are now? On the one side of the ditch, we were legalistic, and now on the other ditch, we're lawless. It don't matter what you do. You call on the name of the Lord, you're fine. It does matter. The fear of the Lord says there are consequences to adultery. There's consequences to lying. There's consequences to rebellion. There's consequences to unforgiveness. That's what America needs. We need to realize, yeah. We're not saved by what we do. But there are consequences to doing dumb things. And it doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. People say, "What well, does that mean I can go out and sin, do everything I want to do? No, because in 1 John 3, it says that a born-again person doesn't individually sin. But you can still sin, but not like you did before you'd met Jesus. Now, I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. This is what we need to teach our children and ourselves. There's consequences. It doesn't mean that God won't help you, but there's consequences. I like it on this. Jesus came not only to forgive us of our sins, but to eliminate and redeem us from the consequences. But it takes faith to be redeemed from the consequences. Takes faith to be redeemed from alcoholism. Takes faith from, to be redeemed from, uh, you know, drug addiction. It takes faith. Amen. Now God will forgive you, yep. but it, but there, but you you don't have to go through that. Amen. You could just say, "I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna just stay. In the, I'm gonna stay where it's safe. I, I'm not gonna say how see how far I can go and still be a Christian. I'm gonna just stay where." It's safe. I can live with my girlfriend. No, 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 no. I'm going to stay where it's safe. If I want to have my way with my girlfriend, I'm going to go to the pastor and, and have him marry me. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good tonight. There's just, there's something that is missing in today's church. And I, you know me, I preach on grace, 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 grace. But you can be saved. You can be free from condemnation and you can make stupid decisions that you'll have to go through a level of suffering that never would have had to gone through if you just would have had the fear of the Lord and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just lusting like that, that there's a consequence to that. That messes my heart up. That'll mess up my marriage. That could lead to my divorce. Come on. And, and there's a... There, that's what keeps people in check, and that's why some people don't endure and some do. Hallelujah! Because remember, I came out of the hippie movement. I was a dope smoking, wine drinking, beer drinking, regular individual didn't in my time. But I don't do that now because I fear God. I fear the consequences of, of getting up, preaching the truth, and then living contrary to it. I don't know if you understand the severity of what I'm saying. God told the church at Ephesus that they had left their first love. He said that after working with them for 40 years. That's how long that church had been going? 40 years. That was one of the greatest revivals that Paul had in the book of Acts. It was so great that that, uh, Paul would take his sweatbands, lay it on people demon-possessed. They'd be delivered and healed. Great revival. And they had left their first love. That was 40 years God was patient with them. But you know what he said to them? He said, if you don't repent, I'm going to take your lampstand out of its spot. You know what that means? That means I'm going to take the anointing off your church. There's no sense going to church if there's no anointing. There's no sense, you know, worshiping God without an anointing. But so the church right then go, whoa, 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 whoa. It put them back in balance. They said, I don't want to step out there with that consequence. Have you ever seen a minister that was really anointed and then he fell and you heard him preach later? And it was just a good talk. I can't imagine getting up in the morning and out of the presence of God in my life. I can't imagine worshiping God and not sensing his goodness in my life. I can't imagine that. That terrifies me to be outside of God's presence. It terrifies me to be in a place where I don't sense God anymore in my life. That's that fear of the Lord or that reverence in respect to what he says. He says. And he loves me unconditionally. And if he has to allow me to go home early to get me to heaven, he will. Remember the man that was involved with his stepmother? Paul said, when you get together, hand them over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit might be saved in the day of judgment. In other words, God has to do that to bring you into glory. I don't know about you, I want to live long and prosper. I want to chase my wife around when I'm 85 years old. Say amen. So I just want to I want to live in this realm where I'm in God's will. That's where all the promises are. Way out of here, there's not quite as many. But you get right in here, they're just, ooh, they're just everywhere, man. And it's so cool. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be in the center of God's will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, Jesus is Lord. Come on. It's powerful. Now, this truth that I'm sharing you tonight is is so important that we recognize there's consequences for bad behavior. And that can keep you in check. Amen. I can say, oh, you know, my flesh wants to, but no, I don't want to go down that road. Now, most of us got saved from that because we we're feeling the effects of our behavior and we f- we're feeling pretty miserable when we turn to God. But the same thing can happen even after you have given your life to Christ. That can happen. One last verse, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence a full assurance of hope until the end... That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, I want you to notice in the text, we have to have patience or we have to have endurance. Remember I said that 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says that love in, believes all things and love endures all things. You have to have faith in God's love towards you for that to be happened. Let me give you one of my favorite verses. 1 John four nineteen. We love him because he first loved me. <laughs> Hallelujah. In other words, the love that I have is not, I, I don't measure God's love by how much I'm loving you. I measure how I love you based on how God's loved me. And when you get that right, whew, it's easy to stay married. How, we've been married now how many years is that? 38. Of course, I married her again when I was 12. I'm just kidding. Oh, it's, now it's 48. Now, you might think I'm a dinosaur, but that's not true. Thanks. You didn't remember when I was married? I need to lay my hands on my wife. But do you understand? When you walk in his love, you can love people and not expect them to change. You want them to, you encourage people to change, but you're still gonna love them whether they change or not. Wife's still gonna love the husband whether he picks up his socks or not. The the husband's gonna love his wife whether she gets done in a reasonable time in the bathroom or not. Still gonna love her. He'll still love her whether he burns the bacon or not. Come on. That's how you endure Without it, it just won't work. Let me show you the power that I'll close this with one story. This is a true story. It was uh, about a missionary who was over in a very hot area, uh, tropical. Temperature is really hot. And he's over there, and this is during the time they didn't have refrigeration, air conditioning, all that stuff. So, he's ministering to all these people, and he, and he gets a few converts, whatever, and this one lady gets saved. And she's on fire, in the path, and the preacher tells her, the missionary, he says, you know, God loves you so much, he's in Jesus. And uh, God has all power, so if you need help, God is there to help you, whatever. And he loved you so much, he gave his only begotten son. And so she believed that, doing great. After a few months went by, something terrible happened to her in her family. One of her children got this really, really high fever, really high fever. It's so high that if it didn't go down, the child would die. And so she goes to the missionary and says, I'm going to pray that God will send ice cubes To me to cool down my child and the missionary says well you, you can't do that we're in the tropics there's no ice cubes she said you said that god loves me and has all power i'm believing for ice cubes I'm gonna believe that ice cubes, God's gonna create ice cubes for me. All of a sudden, the, cloud gets, the clouds get cloudy and it starts hailing, these big chunks of hail. So she runs around and gets all these big chunks of, of hail and put it in this tub, put her child, and the temperature goes down, and the child was restored, and the child was healed. Why? Because God can make ice cubes in the tropics. <laughs> but notice the love she had for her child. She compared it to the love that God had towards her. And because of that, her faith didn't fail. She endured and receive the blessing. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the River, and we're doing life together.